0: Well, we have been in a series uh, we're calling uh, Doing Church, uh, The Body of Christ on Earth. Uh, we want to kind of continue with that today. Welcome to all of you uh, that are here. Glad to see you. Getting some folks that haven't been here for a while. That's always nice. Uh, welcome to all of you that are joining us online. We uh, are glad that you're with us as as well today. So before we kind of kick into what we're going to talk about today, we need to a review just a little bit last week so we kind of have talked about this series is about doing church but before you can do church uh, you need to know how to be the church uh, and we talked about the second um, Peter or first Peter 2 where Peter kind of writes that, that the, the church you you all you who follow Jesus you are a chosen people God chose you um, a royal priesthood any of you got royalty in your genealogy ever done that any of descendants from Oh, good. I, I did mine, and I come basically from scoundrels and scallywags, is kind of what they said with me. I don't have any of that, but, but in Christ, I am a, a, a royal a priesthood, um, uh, a, a holy nation, God's special possession. It's important that you understand how much God loves you and how important you are uh, to God uh, in, in this. Before we can even talk about what it is to do, church, you need to understand that's what it means to be the church. Uh, to be this royal priesthood, to be this chosen people, this uh, special possession, this, this holy nation. You are the church. Ooh, you guys talk good. <laughs> you, you, you personally are, are the church. So look at the person next to you and say, you are the church. You, you are literally the body of Christ, his hands, his feet, his, his mouth, his eyes, the, the body of Christ on, on earth. Uh, and so, um, that is what you are, and so today we're going to talk, talk about the relationship between the Holy Spirit and the church, and this is where we begin to transition, transition into kind of the, the business of doing the church, of, of doing who you are, and we kind of talked, uh, last week I, I told you it's not enough simply to be a, a doctor, at some point you got to go help people, it's not enough to be a carpenter, at some point you got to actually go and, and build something, and so uh, we're kind of making that transition, but before we do that, um because we're going to talk about Acts chapter 2 a little bit. I, I, I need you to understand something kind of about the la- language that the Bible was written in. And if you've hung out around here, you may already know this. Uh, but, but the Bible, both the New Testament and the Old Testament, the oldest manuscripts are actually in Greek. A lot of people think Hebrew for the Old Testament. And there's a lot of Hebrew there. But the oldest manuscripts are, are in Greek. Uh, and, and in Greek, there's this interesting sort of thing that goes on. And that is the word for spirit is the same word for breath and for wind. And so breath, wind, and spirit, the only way you distinguish those is kind of by, by context. And so uh, that becomes really important in, the, in what we're going to talk about today. Uh, and, and it's important even in the Old Testament. So you all remember the, the, the creation story with, with Adam where uh, God is creating the world simply by speaking. He just speaks it, it comes into being. He speaks cow and there's a cow. We speak sheep and there's a sheep. Um, But when it comes to humanity, when it comes to mankind, he does it a little bit different. Rather than just speaking mankind, human, Adam, by the way, the word Adam actually means man. It's not necessarily a specific name, but it means man. He he, he does it different. He actually forms humanity. He forms Adam out of the dirt or the mud or the dust of of the ground, right? And, And it's not alive at that point. Uh, it's just, you know, it's like a, a, giant sand castle or sand sculpting. Have you seen the sand sculpting kind of things that people do? I mean, some of those are very, very realistic. I have a friend that, that loves to do that kind of stuff. So I imagine that's kind of what it looked like, but it, but it's not alive. It's just there. And it records that God, that God actually breathes. I think God got down on his knees and bent over like mouth to mouth and actually breathed into Adam. Except remember the same word for breathe is the same word for spirit, and so the, the image you kind of get isn't just that God breathed oxygen into his lungs and he went, oh. the, the idea there is that he literally breathed his spirit into Adam, and we became living beings, not just physically, but spiritually alive, that we bear in our being uh, a part of, of, of God, what the, the ancients called the imago Dei, the image uh, of God that is that is in us, we have been Breathed into, we have been inspirited. Our spirit has been put into us uh, by by God, and and so you know this uh, that in order for a human body to live, it it has to have a spirit in it. And we and we see this at, at death. and In my line of work, I've probably seen more deaths than than the average person on the street. But but if you ever seen someone actually die, there's kind of this breathing motion usually that slows down and slows down, and then it stops. And somewhere in there, there's a split second, where what God began by putting a spirit in dirt is brought back, is separated, is is undone. And the spirit returns to God. Thanks be to God. Okay, let me try that again because this is really good news. The spirit returns to God. Woohoo! Yeah, there we go. And, and And the body returns to the ground, right? You know? And, and, and so we understand that, that in order for a human body to be alive, we have to have a, a spirit in it. And, and death just kind of undoes what God did in, in, in creation for us. And so kind of with that context in mind, uh, I want us to look uh, this morning at um, Acts chapter 2. In my, there we go. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn over there. We'll have it up on the screen uh, as well. And I need to give you just a little context going into this. Uh, acts is kind of the story of the church. And so what has happened is Christ has come and he's lived amongst us and he's taught us. Uh, Then he he gives his life for us on, on the cross. He's died at this point and three days in the grave and then God raises him, the Father raises him from the dead. Not only that he is alive again, but he's broken the power of sin and death so it has no power over us. (laughs) <laughs> you don't want me to make you do it again I'll let that one go, okay so, so that's the that's the good news and now he's showed up to the disciples, he keeps showing up at things and they're kind of like, this guy was dead now he's alive and, and then he goes back to the father but he gives them some instructions before he goes back to the father he tells them they're going to be witnesses in all the world for him and he tells them go back to Jerusalem and stay there until the gift from the father comes which we know to be the, the Holy Spirit, alright, so that's what's happening in this context, they are in an upper room. There's about 120 of them gathered, which was like probably every follower of Jesus they ever had. The door is locked, probably, because they're afraid of the, the authorities. Their, their leader has been killed. They're afraid they're going to get there. And in that context, they're up there, and, and they are praying. And I'm guessing they're praying their heart out. So let's, uh, let's kind of jump into this. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, okay? And so I just want you to get this, like a mighty rushing wind. Oh, That's the same thing, though, for breath or, or for spirit. And so I imagine it's blowing stuff around, you know, and papers flying everywhere. Ever turned on a fan or plugged in a fan and it was on high and it just started blowing stuff around before you got control? That's kind of what I imagine it, it was like. So, so now you have this image, not just of a wind, but of the Spirit of God that is what, that's what's doing this, that's blowing into this place. And that just affects everything and, and everybody. Uh, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So every nook and cranny of it is filled with the wind, the breath, the, the spirit of, of God. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. So fire is another uh, metaphor, it's another symbol uh, of the Spirit of God. So the wind goes to everywhere, but now the fire comes and it separates and goes on each person individually. And the image there is, is really important because it says that the Spirit is for everybody and for every person individually. So, you can think you'd be a part of the crowd and go, well, I'm the one they missed in the crowd. And this imagery is, nope, nobody gets missed by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Okay, so the the, the power, uh, fire represented power, and it represented cleansing. Okay, go on. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and we're going to talk about that filled word later on, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews... Uh, "...devout men from every nation under heaven." So every nation they were aware of, it's like everything is there. Uh, "...at this, this sound, they heard the sound, the multitude came together." So they've all come to where these people are. "...and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language." And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all of these who are speaking Galileans? And that was kind of a put-down. Galileans were the wrong side of the track. They were considered uneducated, all of this. So how do they know how to speak all these languages? And how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then what follows after that is kind of a list of all of the languages. I'm going to jump down to verse 10. It says this, We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. So what were they talking about? They were talking about all the great things that God does, all the mighty works uh, of God. Um, So if I could kind of wrap this up, and and I'd like to start at this place. Just like your spirit makes your body alive, the Holy Spirit makes the church alive. The Holy Spirit makes the church alive. Body and spirit. spirit. The Holy Spirit inhabited the Jesus followers, and when that happened, they came alive. Every, everything changed for them. They, they, they had been hiding, with the, hoping that the officials wouldn't catch up with them, and now all of a sudden they're telling everybody. They, they went from timid to bold. They went from fearful to courageous. They went from hiding to preaching in the streets. Why? Because the thing that was not alive because the Spirit of God had not yet come became alive when the Spirit of the living God fell on them. Without spirit, they were fearful and shrinking, and with the spirit, they changed the world. There's 120 of them up in that place that were trying not to get caught. And out of that 120 that were filled with the spirit, today there are billions of followers of Jesus. All he needed was just a few people that would allow his spirit to inhabit them. And so the whole point for Jesus returning to the Father was so that the spirit could come. Jesus was one, But the Spirit was many and every single individual. In fact, God intended from the beginning that his Spirit would dwell in us. And and I told you that word rested, it would would dwell on people or it would rest on people. The word actually literally means to sit down. And the idea is to take up dwelling and to live in in you permanently. Not Not just kind of a casual thing. It's not like the Spirit leans against the wall and says... Yeah, okay, I, I'm here for a minute, but I'm going to be out of here in a little bit. Or, or like a bird that, that lands, that rests on a, a branch, but then, then it takes off. This is, this is God is moving in, okay? There's the couch going in and a couple of chairs and a bed and a refrigerator. How many of you have ever moved at some point? Once you get it all in, what do you do? What would you say? Throw it all out? It all out? <laughs> That's probably a good idea. Well, what I do is I sit down someplace and go, oh, I'm so tired, right, you know? And that's what the, the word literally means, to, to sit down. He rested, that the Holy Spirit moved in just didn't come for a moment. It was permanent, okay? And then it says uh, and to dwell in, in us, and, to, and, it would, and it filled them, right? So when we think of the word filled, we think of pouring something in, you know, until it gets to the top or, or it runs over. We've all had the experience where our kids run a glass over and it makes a, makes a, a big mess. But, but the interesting part about this word for fill, that it filled them, it carries that idea of filling something up, but it also has a, a, a larger meaning, and that is the idea of to full fill. So when the Spirit came, it it filled them, but more importantly, it fulfilled them. It fulfilled the purpose. It brought them into being what they intended to be uh, from the beginning. The the purpose for which they had been created was now fulfilled. That they they would inhabit the the Spirit of God in them. And so they have their own Spirit that makes them alive personally. And then they have the Spirit of God that makes the church alive. Somebody say, amen, this is cool stuff. The body of Christ is the living out of the spirit of God. And so we are fulfilling God's purpose for us when the Holy Spirit takes control of our lives. That's why we were made, so that we could exist in this relationship. And honestly, not to be a downer, but without letting the Holy Spirit take control, you will never fulfill what God really wants for you. And you will never feel fulfilled in all of that until the Holy Spirit has That's the story of Pentecost. Just like our bodies are not complete without the spirit, our being is not complete without God's spirit dwelling in us. We first and foremost are spiritual beings. We first and foremost are spiritual beings. That's why Adam wasn't alive without the spirit of God in him. And the church can't be alive without His Spirit dwelling in us, living in us and, and guiding us. In fact, you were created to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God. You were created for that purpose. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't something that came later and God thought, hey, maybe we should put our spirit in there. You were created with that. That's your purpose in life. And it's an incredible purpose. And the really good news Every single person you have ever locked eyes with was created with the same purpose. That that, that person that that, that doesn't seem like they're they're worthy, doesn't seem like they got their act together. That that person that keeps messing up and keeps messing up. That, That person that thinks they've sinned too much or had too big of a sin. Every one of them, God wants to redeem and fill with his spirit. It's a noble, it's a holy, it's an important purpose in, in us. I, I love, again, what what's 1 Peter 2.9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. It is big, big, big stuff what God has created us for, me for, and created you for. And, and I, just, I just know that there are enough people that listen to this that they kind of go, Yeah, but... Because self-esteem and issues get in the way and all of that, and I want to tell you there is no "yeah, but." This is thus saith the Lord to you and, and, and to me. And if you think that you're the exception to this, you're wrong. Now the devil comes along and whispers in our ear that you're worthless, worthless, and, and you're hopeless, and you have no value. And, and you know what? He's wrong, and he's a liar. In fact, he's the father of lies. Get a hold of this, you we created to be the dwelling place. And your purpose is made known when you let Christ feel, feel, fill you. You are chosen to carry around the spirit of the most high God in your being. Everywhere you go, you take Jesus because you have God's spirit in you. But wait, there's more. And I kind of I feel like a salesman on late night TV. But wait, there's more, okay? In addition to that, God has given you his spirit to do his work. It's not just that you get filled up, but now it gives you a purpose in life and for how you live here. It's super important. Because if you notice, the very first thing the disciples did after they got filled with the Spirit was pour out of the building into the street and start telling people about how God good how good God was. Sharing with them what is happening. Spreading the good news of, uh, of God's kingdom. Again, First Peter from last week. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's special possession. That... That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. You see, the Holy Spirit isn't just for your enjoyment, although the Holy Spirit is wonderful. I I hope you have experienced times in your life when the Holy Spirit is just moving, when you can feel the presence of God. I I remember the very first time for me that that happened, and I've had it had a number of times, but but the very first time for me was when I was in high school, and, and I went to high school camp. You know why teenage boys go to high school camp? For teenage girls, exactly right. That's why teenage boys go to high school camp, you know? That's that's why we all go, you know? And and that was my game plan. But God had a different one. I remember Thursday night, and we'd been there several nights, and there's one more night, and I'm thinking, you know, okay, I got a girlfriend, this is really cool. And we went to the worship service thinking as soon as this is over, we get out and we get to go to the campfire where it's dark, you know? It was like, it was great, we're all excited about that. And then God moved. And I mean God fell on that place in a way that kind of felt like the Old Testament. And it was just a powerful presence of God. And all of these teenagers who had really nothing much more on their minds other than finding a girlfriend or boyfriend all of a sudden wouldn't leave the place to go to the fire thing. They eventually had to come and call and say, okay guys, we've got to go to the campfire, we've got to clean this. Because God's presence was so powerful in in, in that moment. The Holy Spirit isn't just for your enjoyment, although there's great enjoyment, but the Holy Spirit is to accomplish God's purposes. He gives you all the beauty of the presence of the Holy Spirit, in addition to which you get the mission to declare God's goodness. The power of the Holy Spirit flows through those who are doing God's work. You see, it's not just like holding it like a pond. It's like letting yourself be a a conduit of of God's power to the world around us, and they're depending on that. The the Pentecostal power can't be hoarded or saved up. It's meant to be given away. And the good news is, the more you give it away, the more it comes. Remember the expression, you can't outgive God? People often use that in association with money, which is perfectly fine. That has been my experience with that as well. But far more important... Is you can't outgive God when He pours His Spirit into you. The more you do the work, the more you, you bless others, the more you become a vessel of grace and mercy and love to the world around you, the more he pours that into you. It's not just for us, it's for the world. We are to be poured out, is the language that Scripture uses. And that's actually the language here of being poured into the disciples. His spirit is in us that we might pour it out. On the lost and the broken and those who are far from christ we do god's work by god's spirit and let me tell you there's no other good way to do it i've tried it it doesn't work well at all so i just want to encourage you the next time god prompts you to talk to your neighbor i want you to know that your holy the holy spirit has already been at work in all of that The Holy Spirit is at work in your life. The Holy Spirit has been at work in their life. And and just because God just now told you that you were a part of the plan doesn't mean there hasn't been a plan that's been going on for quite a while. You you are there. You're you're the vessel there. You're the hands. You're the feet. You're the words of Jesus. He's gone before you. In fact, I would say it like this. You never do God's work alone. Because God is with you. He's always with you. You couldn't get away from God if you want. Here's a pro tip. Never play hide and seek with God. It doesn't work. I've tried it. Learn from my mistake. He has filled you and fulfilled you. And and I I get this, man. I, I do not have the natural gift, a spiritual gift of evangelism that some have. You know, and, and so whenever the, the Lord prompts me to talk to someone about Jesus, my, my like, heart rate goes up and my blood pressure goes up. And my, you know, I, I get nervous and, and, and all of that. But, but what, something that has been so helpful to me is to realize that God is already present in that moment. That God has already been working with that person. And someone else has maybe planted seeds and, and, and weeded around what he wants to do and, and, and watered in all of that. And, and it may be that I'm just the next person. Maybe I'm going to just add a little more water in all of that. But, but God is at work way ahead of me and way before me. And I, so I pray that the Lord would make us, make us fearless. He goes before us. He, he works in ways that we don't see. Have you noticed that? God does not always fill us in on his plans about specific things. That has been my experience a lot. It's like, Lord, if you could just kind of fill me in. He's like, yeah, just do what I say. It's one of the perks about being God. He can just say, just do what I say. And not only does God, uh, do we not work alone, but the Holy Spirit provides the power to accomplish what God has called us to do. Get this. You are not responsible for the outcome. You are only responsible for to be faithful to what God has called you to do. You know, you, the fact that, that, you know, you work yourself up and you finally tell them that God loves them and God can make a difference in their life, you know, and you're, you come away from that, you're all kind of sweaty, and it's like, well, nobody got saved. Well, that might not have been the moment. You may have been planting a seed or watering or those sorts of things. Your job is to speak love to the people God puts in your path. Do you notice when they came down out of that, they didn't go all over the world in that moment, they just talked to the people that were outside. God had gathered a crowd in all of that. In fact, one of Billy Graham's favorite sayings for me is, it's the Holy Spirit's job to convict people of sin. Whew, I'm glad that's not my job. It's the Father's job to judge. And the truth of the matter is, we can't judge because we can't see a heart. We just judge on the outside. And it is my job to love people. It's all I've got to do is love them and do the next step. I pray that God will help us to love them so much, but we can't that we can't help but tell them about Jesus. When you love someone, you can't help but want to help them, amen? Rescue them when they get in trouble, to, to give them advice if they're in a bad spot. It's just a part of what we're called to do. Lord, give us great big love in this church. Amen. Okay? Not only does the Spirit provide the power, but the Holy Spirit is our guide when we can't see. This is good news. He guides us in ways that we're not even aware of sometimes. I mean, he does it supernaturally. I've had a couple times where God's kind of changed my course supernaturally. It's like, wow. And that happened to Paul. You remember Paul, he, he wanted to go to Asia. And if you read the book of Acts, and, and the Lord came to him in a dream and said, nope, you're going to Macedonia. And, and I wish it worked like that all the time. I, I wish so much that God would just get on email and tell me what to do. I would be happy to do it, so long as he would tell me. But that's not the way it is. Most of the time, It works just like it did at Pentecost. They walked outside the door, and there were the people. Most of the time, God is just calling us to minister to the people he puts in front of us. And we think, well, that's not very miraculous. What if God has been working years in their heart and to put them in front of you at that moment in their journey and your spiritual journey? That's the real miracle. The fact that we don't get to see the spiritual fireworks doesn't mean it's not a miracle. God does all kinds of things that seem to just happen. But God is at work in that, to spread the good news. In fact, there's there's an old, old joke you probably all know. Uh, it's kind of a, a theology joke. But there's this guy, and he's, his, the, he's living in a place where the, it's flooding, right? And he's, he's in his house, he's out on his porch, and, and he can see the water's coming up kind of around the house. He's like, Lord, save me! Please save me! And along comes a guy in a rowboat and, and says to him, hey dude, you know, it's starting to flood. you got to get in the boat. We'll, we'll be out of here, man. And he goes, oh, thank you so much, but but no, I've asked God to save me, and I, I trust my God. He is going to save me. And waters keep rising. So pretty soon he's upstairs, you know, and, and, and the waters now are in the, the bottom floor and it's, it's still rising. And, Lord, save me. I, I really need you to save me here really quick. And pretty soon a guy in a powerboat pulls up like, cool, you know. And he says, hop in, you know, we'll get you out of here. We'll get you uh, to safety. And he's like, no, no, no. I've asked God to save me. I know God is going to save me. Uh, you go on. And so the waters keep rising. pretty soon he gets up on the roof, you know. And he gets to the top of the house. He's like, Lord, save me, please, save me. I, I, I need you to save me. The waters are coming. I'm going to die. And pretty soon a helicopter comes along. And they drop that basket down, you know. And, and the guy's like, get in the basket. We'll get you out of here, you know. And he's like, oh, thank you so much. But no, 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 God is going to save me. I, I, I just know God is going to save me. And, of course, the water keeps coming. And he's got no further way to climb. And all of a sudden, he finds himself in the presence of Jesus. And he says to the Lord, Why didn't you save me? And the Lord says to him, I sent you two boats and a helicopter. What do you want? Sometimes we're like that. We're looking for the big miracle, and God's saying, do what's in front of you. The miracle isn't isn't the supernatural. The miracle is the boat showed up. The miracle is the helicopter showed up. The miracle is that God's put this person in in, in your path. I, I believe with all of my heart that the Holy Spirit shepherds the outcome. You do not have to get to the point where you give them the three spiritual laws. All you have to do is be faithful. It's not your job to be successful. It's your job to be faithful. In fact, in the, in the text we read this morning, many, many, many people heard, but not all of them, not all of them accepted Christ. Your, your job is just to deliver the message from your boss, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Ever been sent as a messenger from your boss? I was in the grocery business. They loved to send the box boys when I first started out to go tell somebody else a uh, produce manager or meat manager or something. And I, I, one there's a meat manager that was kind of an honor sort of guy and I hated it when the boss said, "Go tell this guy, I want him to come up here right now." Cuz he'd look at me and go, "Who are you?" You know? And I'm like, "No really, the boss told me, you know." And and then I'd have to go back to the boss and say, "He won't come, you know." And and I thought I would get in trouble, but but I didn't because it wasn't my job. I was just a delivery boy, right? That's all you are. That's all we are. In fact, the text says that that some of them were amazed and some of them were perplexed. Some of them followed Christ and some of them didn't. So here's another way of saying it that I love. I kind of got from a song recently. You are a door through which God's love walks. You're not the one that gets it all done. You're just the door. You just have to be faithful and open the door and let the love of Christ go through you. Some of you are fancy doors. You've got all kinds of cut glass on there, you know, and a fancy lock, and it's really cool. So Some of you are just practical, kind of basic, kind of doors, you know. Some of you are garage door openers, you know, down and all that stuff. Some of you are sliding glass, you know, that goes out to the recreation and back. Woohoo, that's fun. And it doesn't really matter what kind of door you are. It's just that you open the door of your life and let the love of God flow through you to those who so desperately To give witness through our actions and through our words. And we're going to wrap up here in just a minute if our musicians could come. So let me conclude here. Now is the time for us to rise and carry hope. Because we live in a hopeless world. We really do. We, We Americans, we've gotten so good at making it look good on the outside, but on the inside it's corrupt and broken. There's so much pain in the world. I believe with all of my heart the church is the hope of the world. Because the church is the body of Christ in the world. and Jesus is the hope of the world, amen? And you are his body, so the church is the hope of the world. To bring hope through his power to a hopeless world. And we're going to close with a song called The Church. And it really kind of captures this idea. And, and I'm going to pray for you in just a minute, but I, I really want to challenge us to, to not just be the church, but to do church. And here's the deal. So if this happens this week, you can blame it on me. I am praying that God will put in your life this week at least one person that needs to hear about Jesus and make you miserable until you tell him. (laughs) Just my pastoral blessing on you to make you miserable, right? And I hope he does that in my life as well because I guarantee you there's someone in your life that needs to hear about Jesus, and you are the church. Amen? Father, I pray that you'd bless us, help us to be the church, help us to be the most loving church of our generation, Father, that that we might be the door through which uh, your love would come into the life of so many people and that you would expand your kingdom, Father, to your glory and to your honor. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship in song.